Our next retreat is finally here. It's called Adventures in Energetics, and it's happening November 8th to the 14th, 2024 in Boquete, Panama. This seven-day, six-night retreat in the beautiful cloud forest of Panama is going to be a unique experience. This program is a not-for-beginners retreat. And what I mean by that is you will actually have to fill out an application before you will be accepted to be able to register for the program because we are going to be doing more advanced level energetics and I need to make sure that everybody who comes is actually ready for the work. We will be doing a Kundalini awakening. We will be doing group visioning process called a spiritual canoe. We will be doing daily presence practices and working on expanding our energy. We will be doing daily rituals. This process will be related to specifically the people who are there because in addition to filling out the questionnaire about what your experience is, you're also gonna ask for what it is that you'd like to learn. So part of the curriculum for this is set and part of it will be designed around the desires of the participants. I only have 20 beds available for this retreat, so it will fill up quickly. So this is the time to register. Do not wait. To find out more, go to kellysparta.com forward slash retreat. I look forward to seeing you there. Another blood red sunset and yet another moon face and still another hundred miles to my next resting place. Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon, within my car I'm all Feeling good and feeling strong Knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself I'm driving Hey now all, I'm Joey C. Welcome back to another episode of Spirit Sherpa. This is the show that helps and encourages you on your journey to unlock your magic mojo. With me as always is the spirit doctor, Kelly Sparta. Hey Kelly. Hey Joey. How's it going? It's going well. I'm very intrigued about our episode today. I thought it would be a fun one. Every time we start talking magic, I always get like, ooh, magic time again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what new toys is Kelly going to give us today? <laughs> Yay, toys. <laughs> yes. So what are we talking about today? So today we're going to talk about the uh, practices that you may want to begin to engage if you want to be an apprentice magician. Okay. So I'm going to give you things that are very chop wood, carry water sort of things that allow you to build your capacity and build your knowledge base so that when you are ready to really step in and learn, you are at a better level than just, you know, basic beginner. Okay. I had a conversation last night. Brian came over last night. Brian was on the episode that we did about the uh, African traditions, Ocha. Yeah. And he and his wife and one of his godchildren, which is what they call their students in that tradition. Mm -hmm. And we had a conversation. And one of the things that we talked about was the fact that so many people are coming in from sort of the new age YouTube type approach yep. where there's a sense that you know stuff, but you don't know stuff, but you do know stuff, but you think you know stuff, but you got six different things from six different people and you're trying to form them all into a cosmology that doesn't necessarily fit with itself and, or anything <laughs> else. And, and, you know, some people come in going, 
I got it. And other people come in going, uh, eh? <laughs> and honestly, it's easier to work with the people who come in going, uh, eh? right. because the, uh, I got it people, you have to break them down and go, no, you don't got it. Right. right. Because it's its own challenge in that way. And, you know, we were talking about the fact that, um, when Kathy and I started teaching people originally, we were taking people from the pagan community and bringing them up into an, a better understanding of how magic works and how the metaphysics work and things like that. And that the people coming in now may have never even done a guided meditation in their entire lives. Right. That's a completely different place that we have to start from when we're dealing with people who are in that space. Not a problem either way. It's just, you know, we realized that we had to sort of backtrack for them because they didn't have the inherent language of ritual that the people who had been in the pagan community for a while did. Mm -hmm. Even if uh, you came out of like Catholicism or some other high ritual religion, right. that is a leg up because you have a foundation in ritual. You, you have it in your bones, even if you don't understand it in your head. There is a piece of you that just gets it from the repetition of having attended it long enough. Kathy and I never had anybody sit down and say, well, this is what air does, and this is what fire does, and this is what you know earth does, and water. And we didn't have that. We just showed up to enough rituals where they were doing it often enough that it just became part of us. Right. This episode is designed to be a primer for people who did not come up through the pagan community and who want to have what the pe people in the pagan community have as a foundation. And so buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to, we're going to give you a bunch of things to do. This will be one of the few episodes where it's not going to be filled with don't do this or you'll blow yourself up. We're going to give you practices. We're going to give you things to, to focus on and ways to put yourself in a position to better understand magic from wherever you are. Okay. The very first thing I want to say is if you are anywhere where there is anything available, attend as many rituals as you possibly can. It doesn't matter if they're good or not. Okay. In fact, if they're bad, that's actually, it's actually a good thing sometimes. Really? The reason for that is that when, and you guys have been listening to, presumably you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, and you have an understanding of what is proper and what is not proper. Mm -hmm. And you're going to walk into rituals where they don't do things the way that I've described them. And you're going to go, wow, that sucked. <laughs> you're going to be like, yep. And you're going to know what was wrong with it. But you're also going to see some things that maybe I haven't talked about yet. Okay. Because, you know, different different traditions approach things from different ways. Brian and I were talking about a ritual that we're going to do together. And he brought up something that would be a way to, to clear the way for the ritual that I had not even considered. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, because I don't think like that. And right. I was like, wow, that's really cool. Yeah, that would be really useful. <laughs> and so, you know, going to another tradition and learning from somebody who doesn't think the way that you think, who hasn't come from the path that you've come from, really broadens your perspective. No matter whether the ritual is awesome or terrible or anywhere in between, you learn something. Right. And you learn something, especially if you come home and you sit down and you journal about it. And you say, this worked, this didn't work, this I felt weird about, and I don't know why. 
And if you have one of those, I felt weird about it and I don't know why questions, bring it to the after party. We'll talk about it. I can explain to you why you felt weird about it if you describe it for me. But attend as many rituals as you can because that's really going to get it into your bones in the way that we're talking about. And it's going to give you an exposure to different ways of being. So you mentioned that coming home and journaling about it is a great way to do it. But what does the journaling actually do in that case? How does that help? Well, so for a lot of us, we don't know what our own feelings are Mm -hmm. until we give ourselves space to think about it. Okay. So it gives you a record of the places that you've been and the things that you've done. And, you know, if you write down what the ritual was and what the elements were, then when you go to create your own rituals later, you'll be able to look at the different elements of different rituals you've been to. I wish I had done that. I've been to so many rituals. I can't remember them all. Right. And it would be lovely to have that written down. And then you'll be able to, you know, take elements and use them in different things. And then in addition, it also helps you to really break down what you're feeling about what you experienced. Okay. So you can be like, oh, well, this piece worked for me. So like I went to a ritual in Boston, I don't know, five years ago, six years ago, and they, the ritual was good. They, they had a solid container. They did a lot of things, but there were two things that they did differently than I would have. One was they didn't close in the opposite direction that they, they came in. Yeah. They closed in the same direction. And the other one was they tried to release something and bring something in at the same time. And that didn't work. It was too hard. Yeah. You know, I'm good at bilocating and I couldn't do it. That's a good learning for you as an apprentice magician to go, okay, you can't release something and bring something in at the same time. Right. Right. It doesn't work. You learn from other people's mistakes instead of from your own. Yay, brilliance. No pain. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> we like that. You know, just don't go up and tell the people what they did wrong. Right. Nobody appreciates that. Nobody wants your opinion. Mm -hmm. And if they didn't ask you, it is not your place to say. Now, why does the releasing and pulling in not work? Is that because it's two different energies trying to coexist? Yeah. I mean, you're trying to do opposites at the same time. Yeah. It's push and pull. It's push and pull. Yeah. You've got a single channel and you're trying to push and pull in the same time. It's like, ah! and you can't focus on two things at once. I need to focus on what I'm releasing. So I can make sure I get all of it together in my head and and collect all my energy into the packet and then release it. Mm -hmm. And then I want to really be conscious about what I'm trying to bring in. I want to really know exactly what the pieces and parts are of what I'm trying to pull into my, my beingness. I need to get my focus so that I can pull it in and you can't do those two things at once. So that's a good lesson here for the apprentice magician as well is learning how to assign your focus when you're doing these sorts of things. Yeah. And that's another thing is that it's going to teach you how to protect yourself. Yeah. You'll learn by doing. Yeah. And so yeah, you'll get a little burned every now and again. It happens. Yeah. But, you know, that brings me to the next piece. Which is? <laughs> which is get healing regularly. <laughs> the way that I suggest, unless you've got a fair amount of cash on hand, the best way to get as much healing as you need, and you do need a lot when you're getting started in this, is to partner up with somebody else who does healing, learn a healing practice yourself. Reiki is a very good one to start with. It's it's pretty ubiquitous and and, you know, it's... You know, training wheels for energy users, and I yeah. like it. 
And, you know, if you get to Reiki two is fully sufficient for anything you would need to do at this stage. So you do a weekend, you get Reiki one and Reiki two in a weekend, you're good to go. And now you do, now you can go to all these Reiki shares, Right. right? And so you can get healing on a, on a weekly basis, which if you can find it, I would really recommend get healing on a weekly basis because there's a lot of energy in your field, especially if you come from that challenge childhood, we keep talking about the lot of healing that you could use. Right. And it also gives you practice giving because you're doing a share. Yep. So you get practice as being, being a healer too. That practice expands your ability to hold more energy, mm-hmm. which is the other piece of the work is expanding your capacity. Mm-hmm. And so the more healing work you do, the more you'll build your capacity. The thing I do want to say though, is at a Reiki share, when you're on the table, you're the one receiving, do not pay attention to what other people are doing right. and do not try and direct the energy and do not try and give energy back. And you know, Be in receive mode because that's the whole purpose of being on the table is to receive. And you're actually shortchanging the people who are doing the healing work for you by trying to take the the control away from them. Yeah. And that's, and that's a difficult thing for, for an energy healer to get in their head sometimes, especially if they're to share, because the intent of being there is to give and to receive. So they've got to realize when it's their turn to receive, shut it off, Reiki off. Reiki off. (laughs) Reiki off. That's right. (laughs) So, yeah, I I really recommend that. And, you know, rituals, just for the record, when I was talking about going to rituals, that also includes things like shamanic journeys and guided meditations and, you know, things like that. So what I'm referencing when I talk about rituals is anything that's not a class, that you're not learning a skill. If it's an experience, it counts as a ritual. So you want something that's an experience. I do want you to go to ritual rituals, but guided meditations, you know, shamanic journeys, I probably wouldn't go to soul retrievals, uh, you know, because that's group soul retrieval is just a bad idea. You know, things of the sound healings, you know, things like that. They're all great ways to experience ritual. Okay. I want to go back to the running energy, the building your capacity piece, right? There are practices you can do and you can find them on the internet. There's that, that are ways to cycle your energy. Okay. There are breathing techniques. There are uh, just a visualization to cycle your energy through your energy field to open, you know, the tree meditation that we've talked about, you know, the crown chakra and the root chakra do one of those practices every day. Okay. It doesn't have to be the same one, but I would encourage that if you're going to do one, that you should do it for at least a month every day before you cycle on to another one, because you want to really master, you're not going to master anything in a month, but you want to, you want to have it ingrained enough that you can come back to it at any time. Right. So you want it to be sort of muscle memoried, but you know, it's energy muscles, right? (laughs) But do that. Do one of those practices every day. Okay. And that and it can be five minutes. It doesn't have to be a lot. But it is a way for you to get better in tune with your own energy field. It's a way for you to get better in tune with your own ability to move your energy. And it's a way to, to grow your capacity to run energy. Okay. Now, with that said... I know there's going to be some overachievers out there 
who are like, I'm going to do it for an hour a day. Right. I, I know you're out there. I know you're <laughs> laughing right now. So <laughs> the, the thing is that I, I want you to make sure that you're not going to overextend yourself. This yeah. is not about how fast can I grow my capacity and how much can I stretch and, you know, how hard can I run? You know, it is about a growth process. Think of it as um, if you were weightlifting, yep. right? We're doing the multiple reps, the low weight multiple rep approach, not the high weight exhaustion approach. Right. You want the low weight multiple reps approach because you are not as likely to hurt yourself yep. and blow yourself up. Now, you'll know that you're getting to the edge of where you don't want to go if you start to shake, if you start to vibrate, if you're running energy so much that you don't know what to do. Yeah. Ah, you know, (laughs) (laughs) if you get to that, you're doing too much. Back the hell off a lot. Not a little, back the hell off a lot. I would even say take a break for a day or two. I was if you just going to say, is that a go down to shutdown mode for a bit? Right. Yep. Take, take a day or, or two off to recover if you do that to yourself and then come back to it slowly. Okay. You know, because I've got somebody who comes down from DC who was doing that and I'm like, okay, slow the fuck down. You're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> okay. Now, the next piece that I would recommend is regularly building altars in your house. Oh, okay. There's multiple fold for that. One is that the building of an altar encourages you to set intentions regularly in your life. Mm-hmm. And practicing setting your intentions is super important because yeah. if you're not, who is? Right. Without an intention, you're unconsciously controlling your life instead of consciously controlling your life. And if you haven't done the work, the unconscious stuff is going to bite you in the butt. Right. So how about we do some conscious work? Right. And if people have questions on altars, they can go back and listen to episode six, which is where yes. we talked about altars specifically, or they can ask their questions in the Facebook group as we often in the say. Facebook group. Yep. Yes. Setting your intention is a good practice. It's also good practice to be able to feel into the energy of an altar in how you're placing the elements of the altar. Mm-hmm. Part of an altar is setting the elements in specific energy places where they're in resonance with one another right? and choosing the right items for the altar. And so some people are going to get all up into their heads about this. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with being in your head initially and saying, okay, well, I'm going to do an altar to bring love into my life. Right. And so I want rose quartz because rose quartz is about love. And I want this crystal over here. That's, that's heart shaped. And I want, you know, flowers on the altar because I like to get flowers and that's fine. Be in your head about it. Right. Think about the things that, that mean love to you. Yeah. Then get out of your head when you place them and don't be attached to getting everything that you pulled out to put on the altar on the altar. Because oftentimes when you start to set the energy up, some things just don't go. Right. And that's the other practice that is important is being able to recognize what the energy is asking for, what the altar is asking for, and to give it to it. Sometimes you're going to you're gonna put all the stuff on or some of the stuff on and the other ones don't go and the altar is still going to be asking for something else that you have to go find. That you hadn't planned in your, in your ingredient list. Exactly. This is part of the process of learning how to do magic is understanding that it's not just what you want, it's what the energetic that you're creating wants. Yep. It's a process of learning to 
have a conversation with the energy that you're creating. Yep. And so that's the reason that I recommend building altars regularly. And there's a lot of different things within the magical sphere and within the energy healing that require you to feel in to placement and things like that with uh, crystal grids and, and that sort of thing. It's, it's, not, it's not necessarily always a defined shape you're following. It's sometimes just the feel of where it needs to be. Yeah. And that will translate actually, as you get further into your process, if you begin to do ritual work with other people over time, it will translate into that where you will recognize, oh, I need to move physically to a different location right. because I don't feel like I'm in the right place. Yeah. And I'm going to find this connection with that place and I'll walk until I get there. Right. You know, it's, yeah. you don't know where you're, you're going until you're in the right place. Or yeah. I feel like we're missing something. What are we missing? Right. right? Yeah. That translates up. An, an altar is a mini ritual. So it translates up as you expand out into your processes. And that's similar too to what you've talked about when you described the constellation workshops that you've done, yes. where sometimes it's just the placement of the individual sort of holding the energy of that particular element of the constellation they have to be in the right place in order for that to feel like it's working and doing what exactly. it needs to do yeah the next piece i'm gonna say is stillness and presence practice yeah this again comes back to when you go to become a ritualist in a larger context this expands across other things but in this particular context you won't know you're out of place in that ritual if you're not still and present Yep. You have to begin a stillness and presence practice. That is, again, it can be five minutes a day. Right. You know, it doesn't matter. It, it can be every time, you know, if you work a day job, it could be every, every time you take a break, you spend five minutes in stillness. Yep. The other thing that stillness and presence practice does for you is to help you to focus your intent. Okay. If you cannot get still, if you cannot get present, you cannot focus your intent. Yeah. And so your workings will suck because they will be ADD, blah, 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 I don't know, right. random mix of randomness, right? Yeah. And I want to be clear what I mean about stillness and presence practice. Okay. Stillness and presence are, are basically the same thing. They're just different words for it, right? Stillness and presence are about bringing yourself into the present moment and being still in it. I don't mean meditation. Okay. Meditation is about clearing your mind. Stillness will clear your mind to a certain extent, right? But it is more about being fully present where you are in this moment and not anywhere else, not thinking about the future, not worrying about the past, not wondering what you're going to say next, but just being with what is in the moment right now. You'll know you're there if everything around you just gets a little bit sharper, yep. a little bit brighter. Okay, That's the visual cue that you're fully present. And that practice, again, five minutes, no yep. big deal is something that would be really super helpful. And the longer you can do it, the longer you can maintain your focus. So that would be something that you would try and grow over time. Okay. One of my favorite stillness practices is 
to just stretch oh. because I'm not a good sitter. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm much better at stillness in movement, which makes no sense in a, in a physical reality, <laughs> but it makes a lot of sense in, in the energetic. I like to just stretch. I like to be with a single stretch for a long period of time. So I may, I may stretch one leg in one way for two to five minutes. Wow. And in that moment, I am intensely aware of every single muscle in that leg, every single muscle in, the, in my body as it relates to that leg, every single feeling that's happening in the leg, every moment that that muscle releases a little bit, every breath that I take in my body. It's a great way to really practice stillness in a very focused way. And very much presence. Yes, very much presence. So the next piece that I would say is, and it's going to seem unrelated because it is, but not. <laughs> <laughs> so the next piece is an information gathering piece, and that's about studying mythology. Oh. Yeah, I know. It sounds a little, yeah, I mean, we're doing it on the podcast. Right. So we're, we're helping with that. But mythology forms the foundation for ritual. Okay. And much like uh, you cannot make words without the alphabet. Yep. You cannot make ritual without mythology. Okay. You need a metaphorical structure on which to hang your ritual. And the metaphorical structure is often mythological. Not always, but a lot. Yep. And so the more you can study every type of mythology there is, the more building blocks you have for your rituals and the greater understanding you're going to have of the rituals you attend, a greater understanding you're going to have of the media you consume. Yep. You'd be stunned what the mythological references are to some of these things. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the matrix has got a freak ton of mythological references. Morpheus is a God. Right. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, if you, you know, that'd be a fun one to go look up, right. <laughs> yeah. Go look up Morpheus. Uh, he is the God of sleep. Go figure. Right. <laughs> so tons of mythological references that you may or may not actually know if you haven't studied. And so as you start to read these things, you're going to be like, Oh my God, I got this reference and I got that reference. Blah, 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 right. Yeah. And so you, your experience of media is going to be much a much richer experience as you grow your mythological references. The other thing I would have you study is fairy tales, children's stories, preferably in their original form. Okay. So not Disney, but grim, because these also form a foundation of our understandings. Okay. And so the, the reason that we use mythology in ritual is because it is baked into the collective consciousness. Yep. And it impacts us at a, an archetypal level yep. that surpasses and, and, you know, circumvents our conscious and subconscious minds. Yep. And I'm sure that fables fall in there as well. And these Absolutely. other things that become these foundational uh, parts of our speech that we don't even realize. They become the sayings and, and things that we say that we don't necessarily even know where they come from. We just know what they mean. Like the ring around the rosy right, exactly. being about the bubonic plague. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, things like that. Um, I, I thought it was brilliant when somebody pointed out to me that Princess Diana broke the archetype of the fairy princess. I was like, oh, 
Yes, she absolutely did. Oh my God. Talk about a life's work. She came onto the planet to break the fairy princess archetype. Yep. Wow. Hardcore, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but one last thing I want to add into the process is to work on your awareness, raising your consciousness and your paying attention. Okay. In magic, you have to be aware of what's going on around you. Mm -hmm. It's part of the presence practice, yeah. but it's bringing your presence practice into your physical world. So we sit stillness and you know, whether you're doing it stretching or whether you're doing it in stillness, you know, sitting still or in lotus position or however you want to do it. I don't recommend doing it laying down, you fall asleep. <laughs> but the key is to then translate that consciousness, that, that presence that ability to be in the now into your everyday life and to become really aware of everything going on around you, to notice micro expressions of the people that you're talking to, yeah. to notice the bird that flew by when <laughs> that person was speaking, because it's probably relevant. Just this morning, I had the radio playing and my husband was listening to something on his phone in the same room and the particular song changed and it had a higher crescendo on it. And he looked over at the stereo and I turned the stereo down because <laughs> <laughs> I knew what he was doing. He yeah. was like, I was watching this and now that's loud. Yeah. What's that? Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and I was like, yeah, okay, I'll just turn the stereo down. And he looked at me, was, uh, he was surprised. I was like, I got you. Right. <laughs> I was aware and I was reading a book yeah. when it happened. So I wasn't even paying attention to him, but I caught the movement out of the corner of my eye and, and picked up on it. So right. that's the sort of thing I'm talking about is the, the being aware of and curious about what's going on around you. Somebody else might've gone, Oh, he turned his head and went back to reading. I went, Oh, he turned his head. Why did he turn his head? Right. So it's aware of and curious about, I want you to become a, a, a student of people really aware of your environment. So, you know, if you've ever seen the cop shows where a, a, a cop is trying to teach another cop how to really catch the scene, right? right? Um, this is the sort of thing. It's become really conscious about everything that's happening. Yeah. So that if somebody were to come up to you and say, what just happened? You could lay out in great detail. This person came over here. That person did this. That person did that. This person had this energy about them. And they, they, they spoke angrily to that person and you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And that's not because I want you to be hypervigilant, which is what it sounds like. I want you to be present. And there's a lot of work to do there. There's a lot of work to become aware of your environment in that way to yeah. retrain your mind. For about half the people who are listening to this, it will not be a lot of work because they're already hypervigilant. Okay. The other half of the people are insular mm -hmm. and are mostly trying to be invisible. If you're trying to be invisible and you, you're trying to check out of what's going on around you, this is going to be hard for you. Uh, if you are somebody who always needs to be in control and always needs to know what's going on, then you're already going to be doing most of this. What I want you to do differently, though, is I want you to stop trying to control it. Okay? So this isn't about controlling what's happening. It's being aware of what's happening and being present to it without judgment. 
just being present to it (laughs) without having to do anything about it, without having to change it or shift it, without having to judge it, just be with it. Yeah. So those are practices for apprentice magicians. And as you said, there is definitely a lot there for people. So we hope that you buckled up buttercups because... (laughs) That one needed, and it probably needs another listen, to be honest. Yeah, Yeah, it was a lot. But if you do these things, you will amplify your ability to to do this work dramatically in a very short period of time. Perfect. Folks, there's going to be questions from this, I'm sure. I'm very sure. Facebook is the place where you can toss those questions. Go to the Spirit Sherpa Podcast After Party Facebook group, and that's where you can ask your questions, get in touch with some of the other folks in the Spirit Sherpa community who are doing their journeys, other guests uh, who have been on in the past. You can find them there as well. Lots of good stuff going on. So pop in there. Anything other than that you want to add? Just a reminder that we've got the special going on for first-timers for the uh, the energy scan. Um So if you haven't gotten your energy scan and you want one, if you want to know what's in the way of your, your progress and as a, as a practitioner or in your happiness, uh, you're not finding happiness. Um, it's a great way to do that. And we're, we're given a hundred dollars off. Yeah. So it's, it's usually two fifty. it's one fifty if it's your first time. And it's still in the show notes. So the link is still there for people to be able to get it. So definitely check that out. Awesome. All right. Well, that's all that we have for this week, but be sure to join us next time as Kelly adds another chapter into your guide to energy, magic, and the spirit world. I'm Joey C here with Kelly Sparta, and you have been listening to Spirit Sherpa. So long, everyone. Bye. Spirit Sherpa is the sole property of Kelly Sparta Enterprises and is distributed under Creative Commons BY-NC-ND 4.0 license. For more information about this licensing, please go to creativecommons.org. Any requests for deviations to this licensing should be sent to K-E-L-L-E at K-E-L-L-E-S-P-A-R-T-A dot com. That's Kelly at kellysparta.com. To sign up or to get more information on the programs, offerings, and services referenced in this episode, please go to kellysparta.com. This episode of Spirit Sherpa has been produced by Honu Voice Productions. And my love and my life and me. Are you waking up to the spiritual world and realizing that you have no idea what you're doing, but you feel like you kind of probably should, especially since you seem to be seeing things and feeling things and having things see you that maybe aren't so great and that you might want to actually control your experience of that. Well, I have great news for you because our Welcome to the Woo program does just that for you. It teaches you how to hold your energy field, manage your energy field, clear your energy field, protect your energy field, and learn how to protect your space. And you learn how to do basic divination and talk to your guides so that you feel like you actually have a clue and have a way to talk to the guides that will help you to figure everything else out. And it teaches you how to make sure that you feel mentally, emotionally, and energetically safe. That means that we also deal with things like fear and anxiety and worry and dread and self-doubt and inner and outer judgments. And we help you build a foundation of self-support and courage. All of these things together create a solid sense of safety in your own life. They will reduce your stress levels in half, guaranteed. So visit the website at kellysparta.com and find out more about the Welcome to the Woo program. 
your future awaits.